Hey, I'm Amy Chang, and I'm a nationally board certified health and wellness coach, and this is Healthy AF. Here, we're going to bring to you all things health. You'll hear stories of people who have transformed their health, and in the meantime, transformed their lives. We'll answer those burning questions about the newest health strategies, and we'll tackle some common roadblocks that my clients bring to me all the time. Lastly, we're going to talk to some practitioners who will bring to you different modalities that they're passionate about and how you could benefit from using those. So buckle in. We're going to be inspired, instructed, and have a little fun with Healthy AF. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Healthy AF, where we're going to be talking about identity How do you see yourself and what does that make available to you when you see yourself in a certain way? I am here. This is another mother-daughter special. I have my Maggie in the podcast um, room with me and she read Atomic Habits. And so we've had so many conversations about identity and how you see yourself and how that determines your behaviors and what I hear from my clients and, and what I've experienced with my own identity. And I think this is a super fun conversation for like, hey, man, you want to shift what you do? Start shifting the way you see and language your description of yourself. So, Maggie, won't you lead us off? You were just telling me something about uh, your identity. I was literally just telling you, we decided this two (laughs) minutes ago and got so excited. We decided to record it. Um, But yeah, I was talking about Atomic Habits for background. Uh, My mom has been trying to convince me to read Atomic Habits since like 2018 when it came out. And um, maybe just because my mom suggested it, I was like, no, that's dumb. I'm not going to do that. Um, So for any young listeners out there, listen to your mom sometimes. Because I did read it this year, and it was not only interesting, I thought it was really transformative and, most importantly, really actionable. Um, So I was, you know, my favorite part about it was sort of James Clear's talking about identity and how identity can affect your habit formation and really any behavioral change you want to have for yourself. Um, And basically he says that, you know, your perception of yourself affects the likelihood that you will continue to perform habits. And basically his theory is that you're more likely to continually perform habits that align with your identity or your perception of yourself. Like if you think of yourself as an athlete, you're going to sign up for sports. And you're going to go to practice. And not only are you going to go to practice, but you're going to engage more in practice. You're going to try harder. You're going to enjoy it more. And when you mess up at practice, you're not going to think, oh. Or get injured. Or have to take a setback. Or Mm -hmm. you get benched for your next game. Mm -hmm. If you think of yourself as an athlete, if you have that in your identity, you're not going to say, oh, well, I was never athletic anyway. This really isn't my thing. And because you don't have that thought, because you don't say that to yourself, you're not going to stop going to practices. So you're going to establish the habit of practicing. 
And that's sort of the very, I think, conundrum that I had found myself in the last couple of years. I was just, you know, thinking, well, I'm not very athletic. I'm not very in shape. Well, I'm just not a gym person. Um, and, you know, I got to this point where my health was demanding going to the gym. I was sick and tired of getting winded going up the stairs in my house. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so I figure I have to go to the gym. I have to start running. I have to do something. And I had this sort of white knuckle grip on it. And I, you know, it felt so unfun. Was that the... Was that the, I was going to say, was that like the powerless victim? I have to go to the gym. I have to do this. Yeah. Like it's sort Trapped, of felt imprisoned like, by my own words. The only reason I'm going to the gym is because I'm sort of scared of coronary artery disease. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and doing fear. anything yeah, out of beautiful. fear is really, really tough. So, yeah. you know, I started going and of course I didn't continue to go because, um, it wasn't fun and it was in fact very stressful. Um, and because I didn't think of myself as athletic or as a person who goes to the gym, I didn't want to keep going. And when something went wrong, even a small thing, it just felt like, Oh, well, I'm really not meant to be here anyway. Um, and then I read atomic habits and I started to repeat to myself something that, James Clear says uh, in the very towards the beginning of the book, he says that mm-hmm. every time you practice a habit that you want to have, you're casting little votes to affirm or deny your desired identity for yourself. And you, you are. Know, for me, that was right. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was really tough because uh I didn't want to be a gym person. I didn't want to be someone because who who's whose mom is a gym person. We won't. We <laughs> won't involve her in this. Well, yeah, I mean that that is part of it, right? Like it is. Everybody yeah. else in my family had always been so athletic, and that was an area where I felt so not enough, not even close. Yeah, and you know it was. I didn't want to be a gym person. I didn't want to be an athlete. I I didn't give a shit about any of that. Um, and so, you know, the identity, the mantra that I ended up coming up for myself that produced a lot of results was I'm a person who takes care of myself. Mm, I love that. Okay. So hang on, we got to stop sign there. So because I know you, but also because I'm a good listener, I don't know if anybody else listening to this picked up on the defiance of that first statement. Like I'm not a gym person. I am not a blah, blah, blah you know, just the, the pushback. And I hear that in you because your mom, me has a lot of that too. And really just to switch it around so that your mindset was actually, I'm a person who takes care of myself and kind of get out of the world of, I am an athlete or I'm not an athlete. You know, in your family, there were gym goers, athletes, and there were non-gym goers, athletes, me. And there was no way. <laughs> well, yeah, there was gym but goers, was, and then there was me. And by the way, I don't agree with that assessment. I mean, I've seen you on the soccer field, fierce, absolutely fierce. Um, For and context, once you, I was fourteen years old. <laughs> once you stop turning like a tugboat, like the sky was your limit, right? But 
but we could, we're digressing. The point is, and what I'd like for listeners to get is we oftentimes get stuck when we, when we look at our experience of ourselves or our identity, we often get stuck in a very dichotomous world. I am an athlete or I'm not an athlete. And then, and then that's dictating our behaviors and our choices and even our thoughts and ideas about what's available to us, like enjoying a time at the gym or enjoying outdoor activity or a sport or, you know, whatever it is. If you're stuck in I am or I am not, there's nowhere to go. And so in that world, there was no way for you to start working out and have it feel good. You almost would have to lose your identity to work out and feel good. Does that make sense? Yeah, that and a strict binary creates such a high, 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 high threshold for success. Like, I didn't feel successful and I didn't feel fulfilled whenever I worked out because I worked out, but I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't in Mm. shape, you know, so it didn't feel like it was making a difference every time I did those little things, because I think in my subconscious mind, I still had that idea that I'm not in shape. I'm not an athlete and I'm not good at this. But, you know, James Clear's perspective on, you know, each habit performance as a tiny vote being cast towards your identity and who you are makes a huge difference because it puts the emphasis back on what can I do now and not worrying about, you know, was I born with the athlete gene or will I ever be athletic in the future? Yeah. And you know what? There are so many identities that once we form them and we don't even know we formed them, but once we form them, man, it is that dichotomous world that you just cannot break out of. And I see in myself how this has been limiting and I see in my clients how this has been limiting. And man, once you have, and I think that's, this is why you use that word transformative to describe the Atomic Habits book for you, once you have uh, sort of the escape route out of that binary world, holy mackerel, there are so many different flipping options, right? Right. You've been stuck in this, like, it's either this or that. And, and it's like there's an entire, you know, menu that you haven't ever seen. Like for me, I know I have a few identities that sometimes hold me back and sometimes push me forward. Um, let's just take a minute and list like common uh, identities that we hear either that we have or that other people have. I'll start since it was my idea. Uh, I'm a coffee drinker. I am a meat eater. I'm a mom. Um uh, what else? I'm an athlete. So one thing that was super hard for me is when my Achilles was torn and it got into that like uh, two months out of repair to like four months out of repair when I was so exhausted. 
there was no, I can work out a little bit. Right. Uh, and that really shook my identity. Like, am I an athlete now at 50 with a healing Achilles? And the answer was yes. But, <laughs> you know, uh, it took a minute. She's like, could I succeed? Yes, of course I did. But anyway. <laughs> Have you met me? I'm Amy Chang. Uh, yeah. So what about what about you? What are identities that you hear or feel like you're uncovering that are both helpful and unhelpful? Um, I think the example of you thinking of yourself as an athlete is really interesting because when we talk about identities and when we talk about putting labels on people, a lot of times we only talk about clearly, blatantly, obviously negative identities, mm. but sometimes positive identities that we take too far or that are too ingrained can have an effect on us too. Like the one I'm thinking of, and this is not a diagnostic term. This is just something that I sort of laugh about is I feel like sometimes I suffer from gifted child syndrome where totally. <laughs> growing up as a kid, I went to a really small school. And um, so, you know, being quote unquote gifted just had to do with being in a higher level math than the three other people in my class. And I think being told all the time that I was gifted, which had to do with a lot of things, right? It wasn't just my performance in school. It also was just that, um, you know, I'm quiet, so I'm not going to disrupt a classroom. Teachers oh, love to have girl. me. I've sat there I mean, and I you shut were up. 17 months old, you'd bring us the legal pad and want us to write down letters yeah, for you so you, you know, could tell and, us and what so they th were. I mean, it was a like that was just always your thing. Right. And I think that while the value of having parents and teachers and other adult figures who support you and who believe in your abilities, who call you smart and intelligent and, you know, give you this label of potential is so helpful in some ways to your development. In some ways it's not right. I got my first C in college and I didn't know what to do. It really sent me into an existential spiral because not only at that point did I not know how to cope with that because it had never happened before, but I also was so sure that either getting bad grades or failing wasn't possible for me because I was quote unquote gifted, or mm. if it was possible, then that necessarily meant that I wasn't as talented as mm -hmm. I thought. And everybody was wrong. Um, I think this is really common. This was in my organic chemistry class uh, in college. And luckily for me, about every third student in that classroom was having the exact same experience that I was. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think it's easier to recognize when you're seeing it happen to someone else. Oh, but God, I do think is. that's interesting how, you know, sometimes these identities that we consider really, really positive can have just as much of a negative effect on us if they're yeah, in the wrong no, context. Totally agree. And you know what? That is um, in a nutshell, the, the book that I've been talking about for book club may be doing, cause I, I do really love it. Mindset by Carol Dweck. That's that whole concept. When I read that, well, I didn't read. I listened to it. I will never forget sitting on the beach, listening to um, mindset 
and understanding that what I had done was tell my children who they were and what they were their entire lives. And then on that day that they're not that, that's a uncomfortable, unknown, unsure, question your worth kind of day. Right. So if everybody always tells you, you're so pretty, you're so pretty, you're so pretty, and it's good, and you can feel that it's good from them. They're they're happy, they're smiling, they're loving on you. You're so pretty. And then comes that day that you look like a pile of poo stink. Right? You should copyright that pile of poo stink, TM. <laughs> I'll tell my assistant. Um, <laughs> you know, like... How, how do you separate separate out? Well, if my worth was in being pretty and now I'm not pretty, then what's my worth doing? You know, and it's so uh, limiting when we really hook not only our identities and what we're capable of, but also our morality and whether or not we're a good person or a bad person and whether or not we have worth on what we can do, can accomplish, how we're described. Um, and so it's it's one of those things that you can get really nitpicky about. And actually, you know what? What else I'm thinking of too is this is not a new concept because back in 1995, when I was going through my, my first nursing uh, program, the concept of sick role. Have you heard that yet? I have. Yeah. Is when people take on the role of being sick and it's very difficult for them to move out of that. And I'll tell you, perfect example, when uh, I did go through, you know, when I first tore the Achilles in September, first month was like pretty good. I felt good. I could do sit up some planks and go out on the deck with my little cast and, you know, do some exercise and felt, felt pretty good. But by the time we were two months, three months, four months, five months in, and I was on at this point, instead of just on the couch or on the deck exercising, I was on the couch and then crutching all the way to the kitchen and then crutching back to the bathroom. And then, you know, using the one leg peg leg. And then I'm trying to like run errands and go to the store on my one leg peg leg. I was so exhausted right? that I had to put in some things like, Hey, Amy, uh, Saturdays are meant for lay your butt on the couch and watch at least two movies. Doesn't even matter if they're good, but you need to rest to help your body. And it was hard to know when I felt safe enough to give that up because I did shift my identity of myself. Like maybe I'm not like an athlete badass. Maybe at this point I'm a 50 year old, like <laughs> Achilles pop waiting to happen. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, do I need to be careful with myself? Do I need to like wrap up in bubble wrap? What do I need to do? You know, it was a, it was an odd sensation. And, and the first time I did jump rope and the first time I jumped up onto a box and the first time I did some of those things that I had, uh, 
just kind of convinced myself that that was not what I was to do. Right. Um, I had to shift back into the old mindset of like, no, Amy, hey, have you forgotten? You're an athlete. So go do athlete things. And I think this isn't to say that attaching to any and all identities is bad for you. I think this is to say that identity, one, is a flexible thing that you have the power to edit. And two, um, you know, you should edit very intentionally in a way that facilitates your own growth, right? I think it was really, really important to me not to have the identity of I'm a gym goer, not only because I was feeling some initial defiance at that Mm. specific of an idea, but also because on the days where I decide to nap instead of going to the gym, I'm still in line with my identity of I'm a person who takes care of myself. Mm. I didn't go to the gym, but I took care of myself, you know, and, and keeping in mind, I think that really has to do with the idea of goals versus outcomes too. We talk a lot about goals versus outcomes in uh, health coaching and about how the goal, for example, is, you know, usually the thing you're trying to make yourself do. Like I'm going to go to the gym every day. And the outcome is the thing that even if you don't know it, you're using the goal to get to, right? Like, I'm going to the gym every day because I want to look good. And I think if you align your identity more with your outcome than with your goal, uh, your goal will fall into place easier, right? Like my outcome was I don't want to have coronary artery disease. Mm -hmm. And so my goal of I take care of my body reminds me that when I go to the gym, I'm not feeling stressed out because I'm feeling pressure to have a fucking bikini body or whatever. I'm going to the gym because I'm a person who takes care of myself. You know, I think it really helps to rein in the fear and Mm. rein in the stress and turn that into something that is positive and somehow motivates you towards the habit you want to maintain without just punishing you for not doing it. Oh yeah. There's complete freedom and empowerment. It's it's all of a sudden you're being pulled to the gym because hell yeah, I'm going to the gym. I'm taking care of my body. Right. Right. And all the options open up. It's not just the gym. It's wow. Like I don't want to go to the gym today. It's a super nice fall day. I'm going to take a walk or, you know, all of those things that open you up to what do I need right now to meet this outcome that I'm going for. And by the way, Dude, you just completely described what I do with people every day. So thank you. I'm glad we're recording this. I may uh, may start using that. But yeah. You remember, I work in your marketing department. That's what I do. <laughs> How did you describe what you do for me the other day? I keep my mom straight. No, I'm a, basically your Adderall. I know. In my ADD management. Yeah. It's yeah. a full-time job for part-time pay. Sorry about it, baby girl. Um, okay. Is there anything I, I, I wanted to uh, point out before we leave? Because I think this is such a crux and I'm glad you said it. You can choose your identity. And you don't have to put your feet in concrete blocks 
titled, This is My Identity. Right. Your identity can flow and grow as you flow and grow. And it's interesting to note that um, if you don't pick your identity, it probably is still back there. You just haven't seen it yet. And that's where we get into all the limitations that we don't even know we're limited because we believe something about ourselves that we don't see yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the bottom line for me is that even though an identity is a thing that is freely moving and that you can change at any time, it's still so worthwhile to take time and be intentional about Mm. creating an identity that you're willing to cultivate every day, commit to cultivating, right? Like I'm a person that takes care of myself. That means I commit to, you know, I'm going to try and work out two to three times a week. Oh, and it can be the smallest of things. I mean, remember when you, I remember, uh, I remember distinctly you went, you really shifted from, Oh, I don't want to work out. I went down to the gym, but I don't, you know, like even when you were doing it, you'd call me and be like, Oh God, mom, I did, 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 you know, and you were, you were angsty about the working out. Oh, with the face. And when you finally like sort of had that shift, like, I, no, I really want to take care of myself all of a sudden. Like, it was just like, of course I'm going to the gym, but the first step you took, And the first week you took it, do you remember what you decided to do? I think, I think, I think it happened over like a three week span. Do you remember that? I don't remember exactly what you're referring to, but I do remember my first trip to the gym. This is what you said to me. You're like, okay, mom, my goal for this week is just to call and see how much it cost to go to the hospital gym. And you did that. Check. Yeah. And then the next week it was, okay, my goal is just to look at what kind of classes they have and pick what classes I think might work in my schedule. And the next week it was, my goal is to go to one class. And it was so perfect. For anybody. The context of why this kind of makes me laugh is because, you know, A, you know, she's right. I think that even taking those small steps, um, especially looking back now and thinking of it, even those small steps before working out really helped to reaffirm my identity of I'm Mm -hmm. a person who takes care of myself. Um, So it doesn't have to be like, you know, I run a half marathon every Tuesday, Thursday. But, you know, the reason why I'm laughing so hard thinking about that first time I actually did make it into the gym is because I got in there and (laughs) I couldn't find the room where my class was supposed to be. And I'm about 60 pounds overweight. And so I didn't want to be, you know, a fat person asking where the class is supposed to take place. (laughs) I couldn't find it. I wandered all throughout the gym and I got so scared that I had my butt back in my driver's seat. And the lock. And the lock, (laughs) too. There were lockers, and you didn't have a lock for your locker. Yeah, it was like this tiny, it was sand in the microchip of my plan, right? (laughs) And I had my 
ass in my car, like ready to start it and leave. And I decided to turn around and go back in there. And I told myself, even if I don't ever find this class or if I don't ever work out in here, just turning around and going back in there counts as my vote that I'm casting today for the identity of I'm the person who takes care of herself. So <laughs> it can be small, even really embarrassing things. Yeah. Um, it's probably better if you don't advertise those things on a podcast, but you can. <laughs> well, and thank you for being vulnerable and sharing because it really is true. That's why I brought up the small steps. I love, 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 love this story of how you got back into exercising freely with joy, you know, not under the yoke of I have to do this, but you really set yourself up well and you, you committed, but you committed to something you could manage and you knew you could manage it. And even when it, and then after it popped up, oh shit, maybe I can't manage it because I can't find my class and I don't have a lock for my locker and nothing is going right and I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm just going to go back outside. You had already cast those three other votes. And so it was easier for you to cast that fourth one. And by the way, I will never get over you you calling me and me going, (laughs) wait, you had your ass in your seat (laughs) and you went back in? Yeah. Oh my god. And you did the class. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, um having done those first three tiny like 5-minute actions over a 3-week span mm-hmm. probably gave me a lot of the momentum that pushed me back into the building because I had already cast those three votes. So if I was going to cast a vote for I'm a person who goes home because they're too scared to ask which room the class is. Um, yeah, that would have been a three to one and everybody wants to be on the winning side. You know, I wanted to keep contributing to that momentum towards I'm a person who takes care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and the momentum had already been created no matter how slow it was, That's you right. know, but doubling a momentum of one gives you two doubling that momentum gives you four. I think, you know, like, yeah. Momentum will build so fast if you just start small enough to keep it going. Mm. Yes, that's that's my job. You should just stop college now and just come on full time. <laughs> that's my job. People really do underestimate the small the small steps, and they don't even see them as accomplishments. And that's when we get into trouble. But that's another whole podcast. All right. Anything we missed talking about identities, James Clear, Atomic Habits, how awesome it is, how awesome you are, how I think we have it in on the recording that you did indicate that I was right. That's something we might want to pull out for Mother's Day. would love to hear that. Make sure to add in transcript begrudgingly. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. All right. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope it brings you something, uh, gives you a few more tools to create the identity of who you are living into being and begin experiencing yourself in that, committing to those teeny tiny little steps that put you on the trajectory to get yourself there. Thanks for joining us and we will see you next time on Healthy AF. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy AF podcast. 
I hope that it has helped you create a new possibility for your health and sets you into action to go get it. If you want more information or if you want to connect with me, visit my website at myhealthylife.coach. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that each new Healthy AF episode will be sent directly to you. Let's take you from where you are to where you want to go.